Well, do I dare do it a fourth time? Yes. All right. Merry Christmas. Very good. Uh, if you would open up your Bibles to the book of Revelation, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 12. Uh, we're going to read that chapter this morning. Now, this morning we're going to be looking at a scene that will be taking us throughout the history of God's people. I'll address this a bit in the sermon. As well, but the book of Revelation, as you might well know, is not a straightforward or easy book to read. Anyone who says that they know what every little symbol or letter or number means is overselling what it is that they actually know. That doesn't mean that there aren't clear teachings and encouraging words in the book of Revelation, but it does mean that we must have humility. As we come to the text, and we must be a people who constantly beseech the Lord for guidance and wisdom. So let us turn to the word of the Lord, the revelation of John chapter 12, and read God's word and call out to him for guidance. So hear now the word of the Lord. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to His throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers have been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished 
for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman, went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who kept the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, on this Christmas morning, we come to you and we call out to you, O Lord, that you would give to us wisdom and insight. Your word tells us that those who do not have the spirit cannot understand spiritual things, but those who have the spirit, we even have the mind of Christ. And so we pray, O God, that you would open our eyes. That we might see and understand your word. And in seeing and understanding, we might believe and place our full faith and trust in what our Savior has done for us. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. It is a nativity participant we might not be used to seeing. Of course, it's common that we have Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus in our nativities. We also include the shepherds who came to see the Christ child and maybe even an angel. And while we are pretty sure that the wise men came a little bit later, we'll throw them into the scene as well just to fill it out a little bit. Add in a cow, a donkey, a goat and some lambs and things start to get rather crowded in the manger. And yet, we will often add even more characters to the scene. My in-laws, while clearing out some of their excess Christmas decorations, gave to us a nativity set that had more figurines than you could even imagine. I think that it was some sort of a subscription that they had signed up for, and every year they were sent something new to add to the nativity. By the time this nativity came to us, there were so many participants that there was no way that it could have been a silent night. (laughs) There was a lady offering eggs to Jesus, a man playing a flute, a boy playing a drum. There were numerous animals and about a half a dozen angels. There were so many pieces to this nativity set that we couldn't fit them all on the table. We would have to rotate through them each year so that they all had their turn. But there was one visitor... That was not included. One that I have never seen in any nativity set that I have ever run across. And this is the red dragon. I guess it would kill the mood of the scene to have a bloodthirsty dragon lurking in the background seeking to devour the young child that is lying in the manger. And while there is benefit in remembering the peace of Christmas night, There is equally benefit in remembering the war that began at the birth of Christ. As songwriter Chad Bird has said concerning the scene 
throwing a bit of a twist on our hem. Silent night, violent night, hell and heaven meet to fight. You see, Revelation 12 gives us another view of what happened when Jesus was born. A view of what was happening in the spiritual realm of the world. A view that tells us that Christmas was an invasion. In Christ, God established a physical beachhead into the territory of the enemy. Christ was on a mission. A mission to defeat the enemy and save His church. That is, His bride. Now, the war had been declared ages ago. And the battle had been waging on for centuries. But in the birth of Christ, the decisive move had been made. Christmas is about peace on earth, but a peace that was won through a spiritual war. Now, this war was declared after the fall of Adam and Eve. The Lord declared war against the serpent, against the dragon in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here is the battle that plays out throughout the history of God's people. At some point in the future, a child is going to be born from the woman who will do battle against the dragon, against the serpent. In this battle, the serpent will strike a great blow against this child. He will bruise his heel. But in doing so, he will incur a mortal wound. You shall, or he shall bruise your head. This is the declaration of war. Satan, through a child born to this woman, I will defeat you. And so we see the dragon attempting to end the threat as soon as he sees it coming. He starts by killing Eve's first son, Abel, through Cain. The seed, he believes, has been defeated. Then he attacks Sarah to ensure that she cannot have a child. But then even in her old age, the Lord opened her womb that his purposes of raising up a savior might go forth. He attacked the male children of Israel in Egypt through Pharaoh, sending the seed of the woman into the Nile River, hoping to destroy the seed who would rise up against him. And throughout Israel's history, we see that the greatest threat to the promises of God come against the children. If Satan can end the line, if he can stop the child from coming, then he believes he can win this spiritual battle. And in Revelation 12, we see this battle playing out from a heavenly perspective. Now, the way that we read and understand the book of Revelation can be rather complicated. Images rarely should be understood in a straightforward or flat manner. So I come with humility, understanding that now we see in a mirror dimly. And yet, there are some very clear realities that I want to share from this text. The first is that the woman of the text is an image of the people of God. 
the community of promise. In the Old Testament, this community was Israel. And in the New Testament, this community continues as the church. And so as we read this passage, there are images that come from Israel's history. There are images that speak of the New Testament church. This image of a woman is also Mary, the mother of Christ. For she is the representative, the favored and chosen one to bear the promised seed of God. You see, the promise was made to the people of Israel that the seed would arise from the woman, but it had to be fulfilled in one particular woman, and she was the one the Lord chose to bear God into this world. And so when we read Revelation 12, the woman means God's people throughout history with special attention given to Mary because of her role and bringing about the promise of God's war declaration. Second, the dragon of the text is an image of Satan's work to destroy the promised child. The dragon is red because of the blood that he has spilled, and he has ten horns to represent his connection to the world through earthly Kingdoms. A horn throughout the Word of God is often connected to an earthly nation or power. You see, Satan seeks to destroy the child through the powers of this world, through the institutions and the governments of this world. And so he will use individuals like Cain to seek to bring down this coming child. But he will also use Pharaoh in Egypt. He'll use Assyria. He'll use Babylon. He'll use Greece. He will use Rome. And even this day, He will use governmental powers to come against the church and against the children. He will use communist China. He'll use the mullahs of Iran. And He'll even use the U.S. Congress who just passed over a half a million or $500 million as a Christmas gift to destroy children through Planned Parenthood. The dragon will seek to use whatever earthly powers he can to destroy the church and to destroy the children. The dragon will chase down this woman and kill her children any way that he can. And we see in verse 4 that the enemy was ready to take this child out. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Not a character we are used to seeing in the nativity, but one who is definitely present. This is one of the great gifts of the book of Revelation. It helps us to see that there is a battle that is waging that we so often do not perceive. There are spiritual realities at play in our life and in the world that we do not know are there. We see the outward battles but fail to see that the enemy is like a lion seeking someone to devour. And if you are a part of Christ's body, the church, then you are this woman that the dragon is pursuing. So then what is our response? Well, Peter tells us, in 1 Peter 5, that we are to be watchful and sober-minded. Not blind to the reality of an enemy, 
but not paranoid either, but watchful. If the enemy sought to devour Christ, will he not also seek to devour his bride? And we are to be sober-minded. The Lord has protected His people from this enemy. Beware, Christian, the war has been declared, and in the birth of Christ, God's invasion begins. Now in Matthew chapter 2, we read of the dragon's attempt to kill the seed of the woman. We read, then Herod when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained. I cannot understand except by the work of the dragon that a man could kill his own people. And every time we see kingdoms killing their own children, we know that it must be rooted in the work of the dragon. For he sought to kill the seed, but could not. So he chased her down to Egypt. He hounded her child all of his life. Jesus, tempted and tried by the enemy at every turn. Not just his birth, but his whole life. Following his baptism, he went into the wilderness, the desert, to be tempted by the devil. He was tempted to give in, to give up. But he continued on his path. He was opposed by the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus saw that they were the very sons of Satan who sought to oppose him. He was arrested, beaten and bound by the ruling power of the day, Rome. Yet he still did not give in. He stood his ground and he fought his battle. The dragon sought him, chased him, tempted him, but he could not pin him down. He could not make him quit. This was the great battle that Jesus fought on this earth on behalf of his people. He came to win back a people, a people called his bride. He came to live for her so that by his victory over the dragon, she might be freed from captivity. But then the unthinkable happened. The dragon caught the child and ate him. Through the power of Pilate, the dragon caught this man and had him killed. And down into the mouth of the grave he went. If you had never read this story before, if you had never heard the gospel message, you would have been surprised at this ending. Throughout the gospels, Jesus is winning spiritual battle after spiritual battle, casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead. And then we come to the end and the hero dies? Have you ever read a book or watched a movie with an ending you didn't expect? A twist that you just didn't see coming? Well, the twist of this story really isn't Christ's death. Well, that might have caught us off guard It was foreshadowed. It's actually explicitly stated throughout the Gospels that it's going to happen. The real twist is that his death wasn't the end. 
You see, from the beginning of this war, we knew the enemy, the dragon, would deal a blow to the seed of the woman. We knew that this seed would have his heel bruised. And so when Satan took on Christ, he had him put to death. But what really happened is that he took the bait. He bit the line. The dragon imagined that he could devour the child, but when death swallowed him up, he ate poison he could not recover from. And in bruising the heel of the child, the head of the dragon was crushed. Death took on Christ, and in taking on Christ, it took on too much. For Satan could not hold him down. The enemy could not defeat him. For a brief moment, it looked as though he had won. But then the truth became clear and the tomb was empty on Easter morning. And the dragon was thrown down, defeated by the blood of the Lamb. As we read again in Revelation 12, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God, and they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Amazing. The dragon is defeated by submitting even unto death. You see, Revelation tells us that we have an enemy that is so often absent from our minds. He is an enemy that we try to forget, a figure that we leave out of the nativities, but he is present nonetheless. But Revelation also tells us that he has been defeated and that his time is short. And as he flails about, he flails about with a mortal wound. The prince of darkness grim. We tremble not for Him. His rage we can endure, for lo, His doom is sure. One little word shall fail Him. And that word is Christ. It is a classic fairy tale, is it not? Kill the dragon, save the woman. Yet this is no fairy tale. Christ was born to do battle with the dragon to save the woman, that is, the church, his bride. Christ has bound the strong man and even now he is plundering his property. The mortal wound has been given and Jesus has saved his bride. Merry Christmas, bride of Christ. Your Savior has been born this day. And by His blood, your enemy has been defeated. And you have been saved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we come to You now at this time. We pray that You would... 
give us a deeper understanding of the spiritual realities in which we live. For we confess that our eyes are often blinded to the battle that wages around us. And that we can box aimlessly at the air, seeking to fight battles of flesh and blood when the reality is that our battle is spiritual. Let us continually stand our ground and look to the Lord Jesus Christ, who has won the ultimate victory and one day soon will come and establish his eternal kingdom in which the dragon will be thrown into the lake of fire for all of eternity and we will be freed from his wild. We pray this all in Christ's holy name. Amen.